Hello, and welcome back to Dutiful Future. Yes, I am once again in a different location. Move past it, it's fine. Today, I am delighted to be joined by a returning guest, Oliver Willis, from the American Independent, formerly of Media Matters for America. Oliver, hello. Thanks for coming hello. back. Thanks for having me again. One of the few people who has experienced my intros and decided, you know what? What I need is more of that. Uh... <laughs> I need, I need more of it. I need it more and more, you know, like I, I, I'm, I've only had it a couple times now. So, you know, I mean, look, once once you start, you know, you never you, know, <laughs> you, you just you just can't stop. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, but so we actually spoke nearly two years ago now. Uh, this was from the transition from uh, Trump to Biden. Yeah. Now it's two years later. And I thought we'd be great to uh, catch up again, have a chat about Biden's presidency so far. And most importantly, what, what is happening in the Republican Party, why it's tearing itself apart, and why we both love it so much. <laughs> um, so let's just jump straight in here. Uh, yeah. Very recently, the most important thing that's been happening is it took 15 votes for Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker of the House. Why was this? What does this mean? And why is it so funny? Please just give us an, an, an overview from your perspective. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, you know, I, I, apparently it was the first time it's taken this many ballots in 100 years for the, the, you know, the incoming party to pick its new leader. And basically what happened is that, first of all, the Republicans didn't have the, the margin that they thought they were going to have coming into this new session of Congress. You know, like you go back to, you know, mid 2021, even early last year, they thought they were going to have a 40, 50 seat majority. They thought, you know, they talked about this big red wave coming in. And then, you know, through the course of the last year where they had things like the, you know, the uh, Roe versus Wade getting thrown out and just sort of, to be honest, like overall incompetence from the Republican Party, they picked a bunch of candidates that had no shot in hell of winning a lot of these races that were picked by Trump. So Basically, they kind of they they took over the house, which is still you know a win is a win. Like you know, give that to them, but it was not the big tsunami yeah. they were expecting. But now we're seeing how that's playing out now in this you know basically the first week of the new year is that they had this tiny little margin to play with in their leadership election. And generally, what's happened in the past with both parties is that you know it's it's sort of a rubber stamp. Like you won, and then whoever's the leader of your party just you know. Yeah kind of waltzes in to become the new speaker. It happened with Pelosi. It happened with Paul Ryan with them in the past. It just, you know, mm -hmm. you just sort of do it and go along with it. But with Kevin McCarthy, he, first of all, he's not very well liked within his own party. Like it, actually, it's kind of funny. I feel in a strange way that more Republicans dislike him than Democrats. Like <laughs> Democrats just kind of dislike him because He's yeah. the leader of the Republican Party. But like <laughs> there's not like a, you know, if you go back in history with people like Newt Gingrich, who are mm. like loathed by Democrats as the leaders of the Republican Party, like there is not a Newt Gingrich level of dislike for McCarthy. Yeah. It's just sort of a he comes across, I think, to most Democrats as a sort of a generic you know, Republican to be, you know, disliked for his positions. Mm -hmm. and he comes across as a little smarmy, but it's not like this, you know, burning rage, whereas like. Someone like, you know, Matt Gates, the Republican from Florida, he loathes Kevin McCarthy yeah. in a way that, like, I feel like most Democrats don't even loathe Kevin McCarthy. And so because he had this tiny little margin to play with, it only takes a few. And, it, you know, it, it basically took about 20 of them yeah. to oppose him. And so you had this really hilarious display of like, and it was really strange to me because, you know, Congress is where people make a little, you know, backroom deals and, you know, vote for mm -hmm. me. I'll give you this committee assignment. I'll do this yeah, thing. Yeah. And for the longest time, it seemed like 
he wasn't really doing any of that to advance. And so they just kept calling these votes. And then you would watch the vote count. And then it was kind of a funny thing where generally in Congress, they vote, you know, by electronic device. But mm. for the leadership election, they do it by voice vote. Ah. And so it was this funny thing where, like, they're asking 435 people over and over again. And everyone has to vote, you know, you know and say who they're supporting. And it just mm. And so it was just this constant rejection. And then they would show footage of McCarthy in the corner of the house. And he had this weird like smile, like as his party's voting against him. And then you had the Democrats who, you know, I, I criticized them a lot, but they had a lot of unity where they voted for yeah. Hakeem Jeffries every time over and over. There were no dissents on the Democratic side, which, I mean, as you know, you follow our politics, you know that usually yeah. the Democrats are a mess when it comes to things <laughs> like that, but they stuck together. And so, yeah, like it just, so McCarthy has come and eventually he did get there after 15 votes. Yeah. It was like the middle of the night. I think it was, was it Friday night or Saturday night? And yeah. it's like, he became speaker. And it was one of these things where he was trying to take a victory lap, but it's just like, you literally are taking a victory lap after your party has been mocking you. And you, know, like, I mean, you compare it to a one-to-one -one comparison. Like when, speak, when Pelosi was elected speaker this last time, I mean, it was literally just boom, Pelosi speaker. Let's get on with this agenda. We yeah. got a Democrat. In you the almost way. wouldn't know that there was an election. It's just, yeah. oh, the leader of the party becomes the speaker. And generally, these aren't news. Generally, they're just like a kicker at the end of the news. Like, yeah. oh, the party picked this person to be their speaker. Like, it's just, and so it became this, you know, I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, the, the hangover is going to last, but. He, he doesn't have a big margin to play with. And I think that, you know, in addition to like their extremism, which we can get into, that's going to be one of the problems that they they have to deal with is that he's not great at whipping the Republicans to vote together. And then a lot of them don't like him. They don't have an incentive to like him. And they're kind of stuck with it. Like, you know, he's the leader now. Yeah, I think a great point that you made is, you know, the idea that like Congress and, you know, every political system really is so used to being behind closed doors and kind of shrouded in secrecy whereas like this was a great example of us seeing oh that th there's no dealing they're just this is what happening everyone's just saying what they want matt gates voted for trump yeah okay whatever like it's just absolute chaos and it's so it's it's quite it's funny and also quite interesting to see what happens when it's sort of felt forced out and fleshed out so that everyone right. can, uh, can eye it and i was wondering so you know, we, we, we've, we've briefly touched on how there isn't really like a guiding voice for the Republican Party right now. You know, you, you mentioned for the midterms, a lot of Trump's nominated candidates performed really badly. This sort of damaged what a lot of the more, I guess, traditional Republicans saw as Trump. They, I think it's the same as, you know, to the British listeners, kind of like how conservatives saw Boris Johnson before they got rid of him, which is like, hey, he's a bit weird, but he can win us an election. Right. Whereas exactly. once once his candidates stops, don't win elections, then what's the point? You've just got a buffoon. And then DeSantis is trying to angle himself as well, but it's not hasn't really taken over yet. How much how much how much do you think this affair uh, was caused by or assisted by the fact that the Republicans don't really have a natural lead for the party who can sort of direct and angle things behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean that's a big part of it. Like the fact that you know the the still leader of the Republican and and this kind of ties into going back you know two years now when. They didn't want to accept the results of the election, yeah. first of all, that they lost. 
And so, you know, if you look at Trump's track record, it's not that great. I mean, 2016, he basically he beat Hillary by a sort of constitutional technicality because more people voted for Hillary. I mean, he did win the presidency, but more people voted for Hillary. Then the 2018 midterms, Democrats took control uh, of Congress. 2020, he just loses outright to Biden. Then last year, all these candidates that he endorsed, you know, at the during the election last year, you had you know, the Republican leaders in the Senate saying, these guys are all going to lose. Like, you know, the people he picked to run for governor in like Pennsylvania, this guy, Doug Mastriano, who picked in Pennsylvania, was like an insurrectionist, conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And like the Democrat, like literally the minute polls closed in Pennsylvania last year, it was like, boom, you've lost because you nominated an absolute crazy person. Yeah. So his track record sucks. But the the, the problem for the Republicans is that like, no one still is really directly challenging him, and he's mm. a former president, so he sort of has the microphone. So he's right. still technically the leader of the party. Like Mitch McConnell's not the leader of the party. Kevin McCarthy's not the leader of the party. It's Donald Trump. And so when you have a leader, you know, like you guys experienced, when you have a leader that's a loser, <laughs> and you and and but I think the difference is like as the conservatives in the UK eventually just threw Boris out, whereas yeah. Republicans they're still kind of reluctant to kick Trump to the curb. Like we're going to see over the next two years to come now, whether they, whether they have enough guts to do it. And I mean, I'm still, I'm still a skeptic when it comes to that. Like the, you know, it, when McCarthy won the speakership in the middle of the night, one of the first people he thanked for winning it was Trump. Right. So yeah. it still shows that like they have this obedience to Trump mm -hmm. and they learned over the last couple of years, like they all bend the knee to Trump because for them, even though it's not necessarily an overall popular thing, right? Like Trump has never been popular with Democrats, obviously. Yeah. He's not really been popular with, you know, voters in the middle. It, it's, and even with some Republicans, he hasn't been popular, but he's been pretty popular within the party. Yeah. And they're so oriented with things like Fox News and right wing radio around feeding that base of the Republican mm -hmm. Party is that like they don't know how to do anything other than that. Right. So. Because the, the base fervently loves Trump, you end up with most of the leaders, and I, I you know, I, McConnell aside, most of the leaders still kissing Trump's ass, even when Trump is losing elections. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's one of these things where I, as a liberal, try to tell people on our side, like, don't get too cocky, but mm -hmm. it's kind of hard not to sometimes because you just look at the raw numbers of this and it's like, are you guys going to follow this guy off the cliff? It doesn't seem like a good, it doesn't seem like a good strategy. And 2016 taught me to never get too cocky about these things. But on the other hand, like, you know, like DeSantis, even DeSantis is going to, is starting up his campaign now. Cause he just won, you know, I live in Florida and he just crushed the Democrats here. Like yeah. I think he won by like 16 points, like mm -hmm. just total decimation, easy win for him. He ran up the score basically. Yeah. So He's his package to the party now is I can win. I dominate the state of Florida. Florida is yeah. really important to us, you know, and so he's going to challenge Trump, but he still hasn't even even he hasn't directly challenged Trump yet. Yeah. Even though Trump has gone after him more than he's gone after yeah. Trump. You know, Trump Trump came up with a new nickname for him, which is always a sign that Trump's going yeah. after you. It was the sanctimonious, wasn't it? Yeah, sanctimonious, yeah. which I mean, you know, just as like theater criticism in, in Trump, like I follow Trump a lot, and like that is probably one of Trump's weakest yeah. nicknames for anybody. Like I, yeah. I still like Little Marco myself. Oh. You so know? if you if you'd like to see more of this, there's a link right above our uh, our heads right now 
where me and my friend, we ranked the best political insults in a tier list. Yeah. Little Marco was top tier. Yeah. I'll give you that now. It's amazing. Yeah. The sanctimonious, it just doesn't roll off the tongue. And but but the thing is that was interesting to me about when Trump pulled that out, like DeSantis didn't respond. Like he he just he didn't give it any oxygen, which might be smart because if you looked at like 2016 with people like Ted yeah. Cruz and, and the rest of them, when they punched back at Trump, you 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 can't win that fight. That right? Was. Like if you if if on that territory he's still the best in the Republican party at the whole throwing insults things. And he knows that the base is with him. They like yeah. that crap. And yeah, so that's kind of, I think that's where they are right now when it comes to that part of it. Yeah. I think a slight tangent, you said that, you know, in the UK, you know, our equivalent of Trump, Boris, he got kicked out. Um, and I think it's almost, it's, it's definitely a quirk of our two systems, which is, and also the fact that I think it's, it's a combination of, so we have a parliamentary system. The MPs, the elected who are elected by constituents, they have power over the party. So, like, we don't vote for the prime minister technically. Prime minister representative, and the party chooses one. I'm sure you know that just for the audience. But um, yeah. and the fact that Sir Boris was still in power meant that there were mechanisms to kick him to the curb. Right. All you needed were numbers. Whereas it's a combination of one: if Trump's president, you can't kick him out. He's president unless you're going to impeach him. But they're never going to do that. But two. He's not in a position of power officially. Right. So there is no way to kick him to the curb and go, okay, he's not a problem anymore. Because if you try to do that, then your entire Republican base right. will love him. He still has a platform. You know, he can still dominate the news cycle any any moment he wants. Exactly, exactly. There's no official right. There's no official party leader position like in the yeah. UK, right? Like there's no, you know, other than when you're the nominee of the party, but like yeah. he's in that like weird, you know, he's in that weird space right now where He's the, I guess you'd say, like, spiritual leader of the party. Yeah, you know? honestly, yeah. But he's not in the official capacity. He's not even, you know, he's not party chairman, even though the party the party chairperson right now, Ronna McDaniel, is his hand-picked person for that mm. position. Yeah. But like, even that position doesn't have a whole lot of power, like, in your system. That position is just sort of, yeah. that's just a functionary to, like, get money to candidates. Like, that's yeah. not a real ideological yeah. person, even though she is Trump's hand-picked person. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's in this weird thing where, like, you know, the, the most that they can do is, like, ignore him. And Mitch McConnell tries to do that a lot. And Mitch McConnell tries so hard to do it. And, like, if he wasn't a loathsome, you know, husk of a man, I would have sympathy <laughs> for him in that department. But, like, McConnell tries a lot to pretend that Trump doesn't exist. But then even when he does that, Trump says, like, racial slurs about his wife, you know, who happens to be Asian. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and he, right now, apparently, I just read a story where... Trump is soliciting people to run against McConnell, you know, yeah, and of his own, he is. you know, and like it's one of those things again where like I keep trying to you know temper even my own optimism where I'm like, mm. are you gonna pick one of these like crazy MAGA people to run against Mitch McConnell in Kentucky? Yeah. And I'm like, because like Kentucky is no, you know, like it's a no-win territory for Democrats. Like the last mm. time someone ran against McConnell, I think we lost by 20, 30 points. Like wow, no geez. chance in hell. Yeah. But but then you look at it and you're like, well, if they nominate a crazy, yeah. even in Kentucky, like that <laughs> Democrat a strange opening, you know? Like yeah. you know, if you look at the Arizona governor's race, right? Carrie mm. Lake, who was who Trump like that was Trump's number one pick basically in the last election. Yeah, and she was a complete crazy, and she was running against the kind of, you know. You know, down the middle Democrat, not super exciting, but just sort of a regular Democratic opponent. Yeah, very standard. 
And Katie Hobbs ended up winning that race. And now Carrie Lake has been running around saying that, you know, she really won. And she's been at Mar-a-Lago for the last month saying she won. (laughs) And so you look at the sort of thing where, like, they can't get rid of this thing that's dragging them down. Because Mm -hmm. if you look at the two things that's dragging the party, the Republican Party, down right now, it's, you know, their opposition to abortion rights and Donald Trump. I think those would be the two biggest. There's a lot of other things. But those are the two biggest things. And those are the two things that they can't really get rid of because of their base. Their base is very anti-abortion and very pro-Trump. And it's like, you know, the Democrats have a lot of problems, but by comparison, they're, you know, like I said, with the leadership election, Definitely. there's a lot more unity. There's a lot more support for Biden. Like people, there's all kinds of issues with, you know, Biden coming up towards this election, you know, talk about his age and the fact that like, you know, just, the way he executes in office. Although I would say I'm personally more pleased than I was expecting. Like two years ago when we spoke, Definitely, I didn't yeah. as much out of yeah. Biden as we've had the last two years. Like I'll be perfectly blunt. I was expecting, you know, the American rescue plan, which was this big, you know, post-election legislation. Yeah. I was like, that's all I was expecting. And Just I mean, said. he's passed like four or five pretty major bills since then mm-hmm. that are huge. Yeah. I mean, like, Biggest climate investment in U.S. history yeah. from, yeah. you know, moderate center-left Democrat. And if it wasn't for, like, Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin, yeah, it would have exactly. been even, even better. Uh, right. I, yeah. I mean, I'm the same. You, I, I went back and I watched part of the podcast we did, and I'm very much very similar. You know, I've still got my I've got my Bernie jumper on. If right. it is but I, I was very much like, okay, I've like, I'm very impressed by what's happening. I think I was, I think for a progressive person, I was optimistic, but right. that still meant I was very cynical. Yeah, Whereas sure. I think I'm sort of more like, okay, there's actually been some good stuff. I'm kind of, I'm kind of liking it. I've right. also enjoyed him getting a bit, bit weird with it, you know, getting a bit mean. That's been fun. That's yeah, and that's the kind of thing that you know, I especially when it comes to the the non-policy part, the attitude part. Mm. That's the part that I like the most because definitely, you know, that that was always my biggest issue with Biden. You know, I personally like Biden, but he's he's a very you know, historically a very just down the middle kind of guy. He's, you know, he's he's everybody's uncle, right? And that is his <laughs> yeah. benefit and his detriment for, you know, most of his political career. Mm-hmm. But every every once in a while, he goes to the, the, the dark side, which yeah. is- to, He goes to, to go, Dark Brandon. Right. Yeah, you know, Dark Brandon, you know, <laughs> is and, and he'll, you know, he'll hit the Republicans a little and you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, Joe, you've got that in there. Like, Look you at know, him go. You know, the big effing deal Biden is still in there. Like, he still wants to come out yeah, and play yeah, yeah. sometimes. And yeah. that's always when, you know, his base, you know, among Democrats gets the most excited. Because, you know, it, it's it's always been interesting to me over the years where, like, Republicans, when they went with their id, like, what is what is your gut? What is, you know, mm. who, who do you want? Like, don't worry about the, you know, calculating election results, this and the other, with yeah. someone like Trump, right? Which is a total screwball. Mm-hmm. And Democrats, when Democrats did that, like, I would say, if you look at the last 40 years of the Democratic Party, like, when did the party just say, ah, fuck it, let's just go with our guts? Who are we going to go with? It was Barack Obama. Yeah. Right. Who? And, and, and Hillary, you know, the most like traditional right. Democrat. Right. Which on paper, like Obama is not a crazy radical. He's a, you know, regular center left Democrat. Yeah. But that was their who they went with. So like when with Biden, it's kind of the same thing where you kind of got the Obama, you know, policy. But 
with with less of the dynamic speaking and personality type. Yeah. And when Biden like tempts that dark side, you know, in, in the in the last few months of the election last year, he went after the Republicans for this plan that uh, Rick Scott, the senator from Florida, who's the head of the Republican Electoral Committee, he mm. came out with this really cockamamie plan to basically would end up cutting Social Security was the bottom line of it, right? right. Which is no party does that in America. Like yeah. that's that's crazy talk. That's crazy. <laughs> And even like Mitch McConnell, like tried to run away from it immediately. Yeah, wow. Right. And but Biden like started making these speeches and he even pull, he pulled out like Rick Scott's plan. And he's that. like leaning on the podium and talking trash about it. And, you know, I love wrestling and I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> like bring dirty Biden. Like I love dirty <laughs> Biden. Right. Like I love this version mm. of Biden. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. every time he pulls it out and like, you know, if he wants to run in 24, like that's the Biden that can can get can get yeah. people like excited again and like make them forget about all these problems you know yeah. that's the thing sometimes you look biden in the eyes and you go if if he was like on one of those like american like they go to a school trip and they like meet them and some kid was like oh i like donald trump he would he would tell them to go fuck themselves yeah and you're <laughs> like that's what i want that's hilarious right. like right. <laughs> right and that's the thing with the you know the gaffes you know biden is famous over his very long political career of making yeah. these gaffes but it's one of these interesting things to me where like his history of making these gaffes actually has been helping him mm. as president because it's almost priced in now where yeah. sometimes, you know, he'll say something and it'll be an off note and people have to come in and kind of clean up for him, yeah. but it doesn't really hurt him. Right. And like for other politicians, this would hurt them. Like if Barack Obama came out and made a gaffe, like what Biden sometimes does, it would hurt Barack Obama because Barack Obama has this Im image of, very polished, very on it. You know, Barack mm -hmm. Obama's not going to make mistakes like that. Yeah. But Joe, when Joe does it, like, again, it's it's that thing, like, I'm not saying Biden does it. It's Joe. It's like, ah, it's Joe. Yeah, that's what he does. It's Joe. Yeah. It's Joe. People yeah, yeah. like that, you know? And it's one of these things where you see the Republicans and they're fumbling for, like, they're trying to, like, Biden gaffes, Biden gaffes. Yeah, 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 Biden's yeah. just like, I'm immune. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Because it's, yeah. it's the flip side of the same thing that um, people voters, anyone kind of have like a bar of like forgivability mm -hmm. and you can easily push that up if you just add a bit of a wacky like yeah. tax and you yeah. say someone like trump someone like boris johnson like they can get away with more because oh they're just that's just what they are they're a bit goofy right. whereas rather than trump and boris being like outwardly like silly and like having funny hair and being like funny biden's is like oh he just he just trips up sometimes and you just gotta move on with that yeah. he's gonna fall yeah. off his bike and you go that's fun right Right, exactly. And people kind of, you know, it, people sort of actually like that because, yeah. and that is one of the things that it's been hard historically for Democrats to kind of crack because, you know, you look at sort of Democratic candidates like John Kerry and Hillary Clinton, they try to be so perfect, yeah. right? And they, they try to go to this, like, this, and, and unless you're Barack Obama or Bill Clinton, you're never going to really be mm. that guy. And even Bill Clinton, you know, for obvious reasons, was not that guy. But yeah. generally speaking, you know, when you're running for office, you that guy, that that woman. But like people don't they say they want that. Yeah, they don't want but that. But if you look at the way that they vote, they don't want that. I mean, that was one of the great skills that George W. Bush had over Democrats when he was yeah. running. It's the, you know, in, in in the US, you know, you talk about it's the would you want to have a beer with that person? Kind yeah, of thing, it's the classic. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, same you know, day, which so, like maybe you have a pint with them. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, so like back in 2004, you had, you know, John Kerry, who on paper was this great candidate, was, you know, he's mm -hmm. a veteran. He was a senator. 
yeah. he, you know, he looks like a president, right? That was one of the big selling points. Like you look at him, you're like, oh, he looks like a, yeah. you know, you if you build, you you play, you play these games like I do. Like yeah. if you built a character in a game, yeah, 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 yeah. president, yeah. it would look like John Kerry. Yeah. I but would the, if if you put if you put him in a lineup, I'd probably guess. Oh, is he like between like Taft and someone else? Right. Like, you know, the ones you don't exactly. really know, probably. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. If you show someone like a lineup for yeah. presidency, put John Kerry in there. I bet ninety percent of people would be like, "Oh yeah, he was president, right? Yeah, wasn't he like four four of them ago?" Yeah, exactly. And so when he ran against you know George W. Bush, who we used to make fun of all of these malpropisms yeah. from George W. Bush, and like we're like, "But he's dumb yeah. and he can't talk yeah. right. How can like, you vote for right. him?" One of the funniest ones in the world ever it was like, "Fool me once, shame, shame on shame on me. Yeah. Fool me twice." Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, Can't get shame on again. woo. <laughs> shame on you again. Yeah, and you know, and like I remember, you know, I he's one of my least like people yeah. ever in history, oh, but like, awful person. <laughs> he, yeah, he he had this one, you know, he had a speech one time where he talked about OBGYNs can't share their love, right? But like every time we would try and like attack him over that, that was the kind of crazy crap yeah. that people liked. They're like, oh, he's like me. I remember. You know, this is sort of a tangent, but one time when he was at the Olympics, I think this was must have been in, oh God, what year was it? I guess it was the 2008 Olympics. And I was watching it with my mother and he was, you know, he's not running again. Yeah, and yeah. he was there, you know, talking to like one of the hosts or something and just hanging out. And even I had to say, my mom and I were talking about it. And I was like, you know, if he wasn't president, he seems yeah. like a pretty nice guy to hang out with. Right. Like someone that and I'm like and and that was the kind of moment it clicked in my head. I was like, oh, no wonder this guy is winning like that. And then so you fast forward to now and Biden is kind of in that role where like mm. people look at him and they're like, you know, on paper, people are like, oh, but he, you know, sometimes people on our side are still in that mindset of like, oh, he made a mistake and the Republicans are going to make fun of him. And I'm sort of been saying lately, like, relax, people are cool with it. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, unless it's something like super egregious at this point, and especially coming off of the Trump presidency, where like his, you know, like when, when Trump makes a quote unquote mistake, it's racist. It's, yeah. you know, misogynist. When his mistakes Biden are like, oh, I accidentally called Nick Fuentes a good person. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he actually did that, but it's like, that's the kind of thing, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And when Biden makes a mistake, it's just like, it just comes across as harmless now. It's just yeah. like, oh, it's Joe. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, the, you know, people, people, the economy's going okay, unemployment's down, Joe can talk whatever he wants to, he's yeah. not, he's not going to nuke, you know, a, a hurricane. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I always call it like, because it's, it's, those sort of mistakes are like, it's being human, you know, like, if you try and be utterly perfect, people are going to try and spot the holes in you because you're, you're trying to be perfect. But if you're just trying to be, oh, you know, I just, I, I kind of stumble sometimes, I'm just trying to do the right thing, I don't know, American. Right. Yeah. People will kind of go, okay, they're less inclined to point that out. But you know, so do you do you think, uh, you know, now we see we're talking about Biden's human side. Do you think he's going to run at the next presidential election? And if so, what would happen if he doesn't, or if he does? Who else is there? Yeah, I mean, you know, I hate I hate making like it's funny after twenty sixteen, I hate making predictions because yeah. like famously, know, it's a horrible thing to ask someone to do. But I'm waiting. No, 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 no. it's it's. Legit. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, right. But like. <laughs> So I, right now, my gut would say right now that I think he's going to run again, mm. right? Like, I think that he's going to run again. I think because he had so much so much legislative success in his, you know, first basically two years at this point. 
And like right now, he's he's got this Republican Congress that he's going to be basically running against, which sets up a good contrast for him, right? Like they're going to be doing all sorts of crazy things like yeah. When they're not fighting amongst themselves, they're going to be pushing a lot of these conspiracy theories. They're going to have all these hearings. You know, they're going to they're talking right now about like, you know, bringing the FBI to talk about crazy conspiracy theories. And like it just sets up a good contrast where like he can be I'm Joe. I'm running the country. I'm yeah. very normal. I'm pretty boring. Like like I'm not crazy. You know, things are getting better. Mm-hmm. I'm investing in the things that you like. And the Republicans are over here doing the craziest stuff, right? So that's that's a good contrast for him. Mm-hmm. So I feel like on that measure, it it like the one thing you I would say, you know, is his detraction is his age, right? Like that's yeah. that's always the biggest concern. But if you put that one aside, which granted is a significant one, but if you put it aside, like if if if, if Joe Biden was ten years younger, I would say mm. slam dunk he's going to run again. Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel definitely. like the age is the only one that is you know sort of pushing him against running now if he doesn't run you know it'll create it'll be chaotic to a point i mean the number one contender will be vice president harris like that's that's a gimme like I, no, no i'm just saying like no no i'm i'm just saying like that's my natural like yeah I'm not, and, so I, and i get that i'm not saying that she's good or bad i'm just mean like because she's so unpopular i, I struggle right. and she hasn't really done anything right like, she was the first i was gonna ask like do you think she if, if biden stepped aside do you think she would she instantly be like right hi Put me in there, or yeah. she kind of go yeah, well. She definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I, she's going to run, whether it's this year or four years from now. She's going to run, right? Sure. Like she's she's not in that position to just just have been a vice president, right? Mm. She's she. I mean, she ran, you know, two, uh, two years ago. Like she's in the prime position, like yeah. it, it, on paper, you know, like no, no, of course, of course, merits of whether she can win or not. Like just on paper, she's in the perfect position to yeah, run. That makes sense. Now. I don't think if she if if Biden you know this scenario where if Biden decides not to run and she chooses to run, I don't think it clears the field in a way that like you know maybe if you go back to when Gore decided to run that that mm-hmm. sort of I mean he had a challenger with Bill Bradley but Gore basically had a glide path to the, sure. to the nomination. I don't think her path will be as clear. Or if you go back to like you know George H W Bush after Reagan's presidency, like I don't think the path will be as clear. Yeah. For and I think a lot of other people and definitely a challenger from the left. Like, I don't think Bernie, but someone from that, you know. Yeah, he that, might try and yeah, push and someone. You have the governors, you know, you have a few of the governors that are setting themselves up to run. You have the governor of California, governor of Illinois. They're, they've both been sort of positioning themselves. And people have historically preferred governors over senators for, to, you know, to be nominated for president. And so I don't necessarily think you're going to have like the huge scrum that you have. We're going to have on the Republican side where yeah. they're, you know, they're sensing this weakness from Trump already. <laughs> and like, I mean, there's yeah. probably at least, you know, I can't go get them all in my head right now, but there's at least 10 people that I think are going to run this For next sure. time, which helps Trump to be honest. But on the, on the democratic side, like, it's not going to be a wide, it's not going to be wide open field, but it's not clearing the field for Harris, even though mm. she would probably be the theoretical front runner until things start going. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that makes, that makes a lot of sense. That's really interesting. So on the sort of, you know, the Republican party, we, we talked about, about a lot before, but one thing I'm really interested in, in learning more about from you is, so we spoke a lot about like the Republican party's divisions. They're, they're lacking a real leader, Trump and DeSantis at the top level. But you know, something that we really saw from the McCarthy, um, you know, situation. We saw, you know, the free names, the sort of like wackos yeah. of the Republican Party right now. The really far right people. The three that come to my mind are always Gates, Bober, and um, Magic the Gathering. 
otherwise known as Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, I can't refer to her as MTG without thinking of Magic the Gathering. Same. It's same. fine. We can move on. Uh, <laughs> um, a very nerdy political podcast yeah, here today. Sure. We're cool. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and I'm interested in, so first of all, if you could give like a little overview of what these people are like, you know, what is so insane about them. Uh, but specifically what I'm interested in, and I can ask a follow-up as well, is um, why Gates and Bobert, two insane people, were very anti-McCarthy, but Marjorie Taylor Greene, arguably the most insane person. Oh, that's Kalel, everyone, the dog. Inevitable. That's okay. It was going to happen. It was going to happen. Good boy. Um, but yeah. Uh, but then Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, someone who seems to have associations with like QAnon and really crazy conspiracy yeah. stuff, arguably the most insane was pro McCarthy. So like, if you can give a sort of summary of this like new wave of like the far, far right and the Republicans and why they seem to be split, I'd be really yeah. interested to hear about well, it. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, I can't say for sure, but like my gut feeling with why Green, you know, Magic the Gathering decided to, <laughs> decided to support McCarthy is that it was finally her chance to get some real power, right? Mm. I mean, because under the Democrats, she had all her committee positions stripped from her because she pushed this sort of anti-Semitic conspiracy theory about yeah, the Jewish yeah. space lasers, right? Like she was completely toxic. And even to the point where like even Republicans had to be at least give lip service to the fact that, okay, yeah, you can strip her of her committees, right? And, yeah. and you know, for, for your viewers, like she literally was like, she couldn't even be on a committee in Congress, which is, I mean, that is sort of the lowest of the, like, basically what do you do? If, like, other than voting on legislation, yeah. <laughs> what are you actually doing in Congress? Because even if, even if you're not on, like, one of the main committees, you generally get to be put on, like, a subcommittee for something. Yeah. She was, like, stripped of that completely. So, you know, in the hearings that, like, basically make the news on television where people are interviewing people and questioning people – she was not able to do that. Whereas like Bober and, and Gates were both, you know, members of committees, even in the minority, like, you know, famously Bober did a committee hearing where she had guns, you know, behind her in a committee hearing, right? And Gates would push, was pushing these conspiracy theories. He was on the Judiciary Committee. He was pushing these conspiracy theories about the FBI being involved in the January 6th attack, yeah. right? And so <laughs> those are huge prominent things for, especially people like them who want to get, and this is, goes back to the main reason of why they're empowered, for, their their ecosystem is very different from a lot of other representatives, even in the Republican Party, because they're in these districts that are basically designed to elect Republicans. I mean, Matt Gates had all these bad stories come out yeah. about over the last two years. And literally, as the polls closed in Florida, he won that race by I don't remember how much it was, but it was it was not even close. It was yeah. probably like 30 plus percent. Right. Mm -hmm. So he basically hardly even had to run a re-election campaign because most of the voters in his constituency, and granted, this is true for about 80% of both parties. Yeah. They're, they're just going to vote for the, the, the Republican, right? Like it could be Joe Republican running in a seat or Joe, yeah. Dem you know, Jill Democrat running yeah. for most of these seats. Yeah. There's no incentive to really do much of anything, right? Yeah, for sure. So, so for and once you once you win these races, once they won a primary for these people, and and they and they both have such high name recognition, it's very rare someone's going to challenge them because no one's going to say that they're. Mm -hmm. I mean, how it's pretty hard to get to the right of Matt Gates. Other yeah. than like <laughs> it's hard to outcut him in any way. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> so the, the the system is designed for people like the two of the three of them mm -hmm. to like 
just get media hits, right? And like this is like their whole life is a it's yeah. it's a strange thing where like because we 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 think that oh we're we're sending people to Congress to pass legislation to mm-hmm. advance an ideological agenda. And this again, this is true of both parties. Like you have Republicans that like oh they're in Congress to pass legislation to you know uh, enhance gun rights and to yeah. cut taxes, but like. These guys, yes, they support these things, but they're not really there for that. They're there for, you know, media hits. And it's it's just strange because it's like, why are you in Congress then? Why are you just not like a shock jock, you know, YouTube host? You know, no offense to you, but like, you know. <laughs> hey, we're, we're very important. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but totally. No, I totally agree. And, and I mean, that's the funny thing. Like Matt Gates specifically, Matt Gates is like actually competing with you, Hugh, more than he is with members of, because he has a YouTube channel. He has a YouTube channel where you look at his stills and they're, you compare it to your channel. I look On the at screen him, now. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, oh, Matt, you know, he's like, he's like pointing and he's doing all these, like, it's just like a regular YouTube channel, but he happens to be a member of Congress. Does he do, right? does he do the like? Yes. Yes. I, he even has like a Gates hot seat. Yeah. It literally, I, I'm, I'm telling you, look at it and you'll feel, the, you'll feel the competition from the gates, you know? And this is, and you know, Ted Cruz is doing crap like that too. And like, why are you in Congress? And so mm. that is the thing. That is the incentive for them to sort of, this, this was the whole problem that McCarthy had because how do you appeal to a politician that is not driven by normal political right. buyers, right? He's not asking for money for a bridge in Florida. He's not asking for a committee assignment, you know, so that he can push stuff that people in Florida care about. He's just in it for the lulls, right? And and the lulls for him was making Kevin McCarthy look like a dum-dum. Yeah. Like, he, like his incentive mm-hmm. is to make Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden look stupid. And so mm-hmm. how do you appeal? That's, that's like, you know, it's like Batman and the Joker, right? It's like some men just want to see the world burn. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so mm-hmm. even with, with, Bo, with, with Gates... Navigate, sorry, with uh, with MTG. Yeah. Like, it, yes, she wants to be on these committees, but she's a loose cannon too for 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 McCarthy. She's not going to line up and be a good little foot soldier for him. Oh, I just, you already see it happening. Like, she doesn't really care about this agenda either. She's posting all kinds of crazy YouTube, you know, YouTube and Twitter videos. Yeah. So all of them, it's this incentive system of they just want to get a YouTube hit. They want to go viral. They want to be a TikTok mm. star. They just happen to be members of God. yeah. I get that. I, I feel like I, I think I have a similar analysis in terms of that's their strategy, but I think they do have an end goal in mind, which is that. So I see them, especially MTG and Gates. I don't know as much about Boba, but I assume she's around almost of the same ilk. Yeah. That they're just like fascists and they yeah. just want, they want to implement, uh, you know, horrible, horrible fascist policies against gay people, trans people, black people, anyone and everyone Absolutely. who isn't exactly like them. Uh, and but they realize that those things, at least in the current political climate right now, are so insane. They're not going to get voted in in the next Congress. So what's the point of trying to get them electoral power when they can build their profile, right? cause more drama, tear down the system a little bit, one piece at a time? It's almost like it's the activity of like a revolutionary. It's like you look back to like, you know, um, uh, early Russia and like the different, you know, political groups in their sort of equivalent of a parliament. And it was like you had the revolutionary communists who their entire strategy was just like we're just kind of fucking around right like not to the same extent but it's a similar kind of like we're not really trying to pass day-to-day bills we're trying to be here because it's a platform 
Right. Uh, I would say, you know, you know, I would even go further than you. I would say they're they're like the Nazis. Yeah, I know. I agree. You know, they're 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 like the Nazi party, where it's just like like. Oh, we're not actually in the you know German Parliament to get you know we don't totally. want to form a center-right coalition. Yeah. That's honestly that is a that's a better comparison. I think mine was a little bit esoteric. The best comparison is Nazi Germany in um the Weimar in the Weimar, yeah. in the Weimar Republic. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like like you know, and if you look at the Weimar Republic, like they weren't there to you know the the center-right parties used to come to the Nazis and say, oh, let's form a coalition with us. Yeah. So we, and the Nazis were like, screw you, we just want to kill Jews, right? <laughs> And, and, and I mean, they literally just would screw around, screw around, screw around. And they had their, you know, you mm -hmm. had your, 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 the brown shirts on the street. Well, the Republicans have the Proud Boys on the street. Yeah. And, you know, like, I, I mean, it, yes, sometimes it's a cliche for people, you know, on our side of the aisle to say that. But like, sorry, sometimes parallels are parallels and yeah. you can't avoid them. And so, yeah, you look at these guys, like, as you said, they're not there to actually form governing coalitions towards... Definitely you know, eventually getting to some goal. They're like, yeah, if we can just screw around with the system until we get our fascist dictator, you know. And, and exactly. so, and, and you look at, with, with the, they looked at Trump as like, oh, look, Trump is our vessel for that. But it's not, like, it's very Trump-centric. But at a certain point, you even had, you know, Gates, who is the Trump do-boy, define Trump when it comes mm -hmm. to McCarthy. Because yeah. Gates understands, I think, in his, I mean, he's, it's a funny thing because, Yes, they're strategic, but yes, they're also stupid. Yeah. But but it's one of these things where like Gates understands the strategy enough where like, oh no, I, I don't really need to be Trump's do boy when it comes to this thing. Like yeah. my incentive is not to support the quote unquote establishment of the party. It's just to screw around, right? Yeah, and definitely. And, and look, if you look at I'm sure if you poll the constituents in his in his district right now, you know, and I saw a poll just today actually that said Oh no no, we like screwing around with McCarthy among Republicans. This isn't even you know yeah, yeah, yeah. like oh you know sitting back with popcorn like I was like enjoying it. Like this is Republicans saying oh no we like you screwing around with McCarthy yeah. too because we just want to script the system. And you go back you know again to Brexit, go back to Trump. Yeah. It's just this group of people internationally that just want to oh yeah just screw it up just yeah. you know just fuck screw up them. It's funny. No totally. Yeah. I, I, it's a great analysis. I think you know. Uh, the nothing it doesn't it boils down so clearly around Jan six you know that the the, the insurrection attempt is just so clearly uh, the fact that you know they're quite supportive and but then the only time they're not supportive is when they go it's Antifa or it was the FBI yeah. uh, it, it's it's such a terrifying visage that like you know they can be they could just be in Congress just to wait for another one of those and then say oh yeah they're over there and, and that is a terrifying thing and you know um, this is a little bit of a of a steer off and if you're not don't want to talk about something like this just say. But, um, you know, we recently saw in Brazil, there was a kind of similar Jan 6, obviously not on Jan 6, um, but where Bolsonaro supporters stormed uh, government buildings. And I was wondering how much you think that that has potentially been inspired by the US and whether we might be seeing a trend of right wing parties, which have yeah. turned into far right wing parties, just consistently normalizing and engaging in these grand acts of, of violence. Yeah, well, I mean, for sure. Like when I saw the footage from Brazil, it it's impossible to look at that footage from Brazil and not compare it to what happened here on Jan yeah. six. Like, I mean, it it's always it was one of these really weird, like almost frame for frame. It looked like what happened here mm -hmm. in the U.S. And so, you know, and the fact that you have people like Steve Bannon, who is Trump's former chief of staff, basically yeah. 
egging on and supporting the Bolsonaro people. And, you know, mm -hmm. one side note is that, like, living here in Orlando, Bolsonaro is actually here right now. Like, yeah, I know. He's like, I could literally run into him at the supermarket. There was footage of him hanging around Publix, which is a supermarket here. He was just walking around yeah. at a Publix. Yeah. And so I was joking. I'm like, there, I could go with, you know, Cal and go to the Publix <laughs> and run into Bolsonaro. How many, right? how many hospitals do you have roughly in your area? There's not many. I mean, there's there's about, like, yeah, I mean, I was in- He's definitely at one of them. Yeah, oh yeah, I was at the hospital last year. You know, I had to yeah. go for the procedure last year. And when I saw that he was at the hospital, the first thing I checked, I was like, did he go to the same one as me? It turned out that he didn't, but it's not that far away from the hospital That's where I was. Crazy. So like, you know, and but it, you know, to go back to the main point, mm -hmm. it's like, you look at like, there is this international network of right-wing fascism that has been working with each other over the last few years. You had, you know, you had the Brexit folks in the UK, you had the folks in, you have the, you know, the, the, the parliament election in, uh, da, 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 where was it? The, just, in Italy. Italy, where, yep. Italy, yeah, Italy Hungary they, for a long time with Orban. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and you just you know Greece Sorry, had Sweden as well. Um, the Swedish Democrats who are, are a bit confusing for what we've been talking about. The Swedish Democrats are a far right party as well. Right. Uh, they were like Nazis like twenty years ago or something ridiculously soon. Yeah, and you had the what is it the Golden Dawn in Golden Dawn in Greece that was about twenty fourteen. Yeah, and it's like you look at this and like and you know and then you compare it to the the quote unquote MAGA movement here in the mm. U.S. and it's not I I like I don't like sometimes I feel like. You know, I don't want to say that it's a conspiracy because it's like, no, these guys all have the same end goals because mm. going back again to, you know, 1940s, you know, Europe, and you're looking at like, you know, Italy, Germany, and Japan, and yeah. you're like, well, there was an alignment, right? And like, you know, I, I don't know what the end game is going to be, but like mm -hmm. they all of these have this sort of, you know, and again, it, you look at even Russia, right, where they have this sort of Christian nationalism that is supported by the far right here in America, mm -hmm. by the far right in Brazil. And, yeah. you know, they, they increasingly, they don't have any compunction about just attacking democratic government. Like that, that used to be a taboo. It, it seems strange yeah. to say, right? Like <laughs> it used to be a taboo to pick yeah. up arms against your government. And it's almost like this thing where, you know, the, the, the Overton window is sort of shifting on it, where at the same time, you know, I, I almost want to say, and it's a weird sort of thing because you worry about the sort of, you know, establishment center left parties and their response to it. Like, you don't want to go full on, like, let's all have a war with each other. Yeah, right? yeah. That is a bad situation. But then you also look sometimes at the reliance of, like, you know, the, the Democratic Party and I would say the Labour Party of, like, mm -hmm. relying on the rules and the system yeah. against a movement that doesn't, doesn't give, shit. give a crap about the yeah. system, right? And it's almost this, we're at this point right now where maybe that is not the majority, even though, you know, Trump is sort of in that mindset. Like, I would say the majority of Republican voters are not there. Mm -hmm. And like the majority of the, like, you know, conservative voters in the UK are not there. But yeah, is that going to be true 10 years from now? Right? Like, you know, it, totally. we're not going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, and I almost feel like I keep feeling like these elections, you know, when when Biden won and, you know, basically I feel like, you know, knock on wood for you guys, if maybe labor can figure their crap out, you know, <laughs> like, like if, if, the, if the center left parties still win, I almost feel like every election always feels like 
it's the last election before the collapse. Yeah. And, it, you know, and that was the motivation, you know, going back to our election last year. Like, you literally had the president of the United States, Biden, saying democracy is on the ballot. And it's not this was not political hyperbole. Like yeah, you it had actually people, was, which is what's yeah. so insane. Yeah. And it, and it, and, you know, lucky for us, it motivated some group of people like there were there were a group of people that weren't motivated by other factors yeah. that said, Oh, I need to vote so I don't live in a fascist yeah. super like like, rec- like record young people like turning out uh, yeah. the midterms. I believe it was the midterms. Yeah, just because th- th- at some point it's going to reach them. This is this is happening. Right, right, and it's and especially you know like with with things like trans and LGBTQ rights. Yeah, that is directly affecting 100%. young people and the republic. You know, go back to DeSantis. DeSantis is going to run for president on attacking transgender kids. Yeah, definitely, like, and the party sees. Like, you know, the, the, the Republican Party seem to be at least giving lip service to moderating on these issues now. But now they're moving into like, you know, you look at the state legislatures in the U.S. It's almost like they want to ban being transgender in this yeah. country, you know, yeah. and it, it's, again, it's hard not to see the parallels with, you know, again, Germany. Like, sorry, but it's there. I mean, like, in early in early like Nazi writing, like a, a lot of the things to target it was like, you know, feminine, feminine men and like, yeah. And you look across the world, China's banned the presentation of feminine men. Uh, Russia. Russia has the same kind of rule where it's like you can't openly promote homosexuality or like, you know, feminine femininity in, from, from men. And it's terrifying to see like the kind of and I think I think a good subject to end this on will be the catch all term of the word woke. I think that's one of the biggest things that's like progressed in the last two years. You know, woke was a word, but it wasn't the word. And I'd I'd love to hear your analysis on sort of the Republican use of the word woke. I mean, I can't remember who it was specifically, but it's someone important in the Republican Party uh, on Fox News the other day was saying like, oh, we're going to we need to cut the defense budget. Oh, "Oh, because because a lot of it is looking pretty woke to me. And it's (laughs) like, wow, that's hilarious. (laughs) It's 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 one of these strange things, because, you know, woke basically started as this term within the black community talking about, you know, opening eyes among white people to Mm. being, you know, in favor of diversity and equality. And like, you know, the whole idea was to make white people woke. So Mm. to to be more sympathetic and understanding. Mm. And it sort of morphed into this thing where like, woke woke is almost meaningless now. Woke has become this term that is just a catch all for, you know, for the right. It's shit I don't like. Yeah, it's the dog whistle. Yeah, it could be anything. It could be, you know, Black equality, it could be, you know, women's equality, could be LGBTQ equality. Yeah. It, it could literally, I mean. It could also just so, be like oat milk. Yeah, it's, it's literally anything I don't like. Like, okay, one of the funniest things that I've seen in the last year or so is Republicans attacking the military yeah. as, being, as having woke generals, right? The military. Now, I don't need to explain to you and your listeners that the American, especially the American military, is the least woke thing in probably the history of humanity. It is a, you know, it's the biggest, most powerful military in the history of mankind that could, if it wanted to, if it decided to go rogue tomorrow, like tonight, could literally destroy the entire planet, right? You could just say... Like like America tomorrow could be like you know what like from a from a dart on a map and be like ah Nicaragua that's not going to exist tomorrow right right literally and so 
And so, you know, Republic, like we, we, you know, there are a few programs in the military, and I wrote about this for the American Independent. Mm -hmm. There are a few programs in the military to increase diversity. And the funny thing is, if you talk to like real military scholars, the reason why they say they need to do that it's to further the overall yeah. effectiveness of the military. Mm -hmm. It makes the military better at yeah. killing people. Yeah. More people, to, more people, more killing. Yeah, to, because guess what? If you want to have the best military, you pick from everybody. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, that, you know, as someone who, uh, when it comes to military matters, has tended to be a little more militaristic than my fellow lefties, mm -hmm. I've, that's always been my argument. I'm like, oh, I want transgender troops because I want the best person out there killing because I don't want... I don't want a, a a straight wimp like myself out there, you know. I want a transgender soldier out there yeah. that's going to kill the bad guys, right? Like to me, I'm like, oh no no, I want to open it up to everybody because mm. they're much better killing machines than like I'm like. If you only limit it to to straight men, you're going to put wimps like me on yeah. the front line. Whereas like I know there's a there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of women and transgender people that would be much more suited to military service than me. I just want the military to be better. Yeah. And that's basically the military's argument with that is like, yeah, if we put black, Latino, yeah. transgender people in the military, we're going to have the best and brightest of everyone to make us a more efficient killing machine. Mm. But the Republicans look at that and they're like, oh, no, you're weakening the military. Yeah. You're making it woke. Exactly. And so you end up with these absurd arguments about, you know, wokeness. And you know, and I've seen it again across the pond where like in the UK now, I see them oh, talking man. about like woke this and woke that. And it's the same crap. It's just it's just stuff I don't like. And it's a it's a it's a dog whistle, like yeah. you said, to just throw in there. And it's not even you can't even really make a counter argument about it because it's so absurd. Yeah. Right. Definitely. It's like it's one of these things where you, you know, the liberal compunction, liberal, you know, thing is to pick it apart and say, like, you don't really mean that. And, you know, get real nerdy and wonky. And it's like doesn't matter, dude. Like, they're just yeah. saying it's words. It's just it's rah, so rah, insane. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. yeah. And so. in the UK, it's definitely increasing. I mean, like, especially in the Tory leadership, it's not as dominant yet. You know, it's not like, because Richard Sunak might say it as like a joke occasionally. I don't know if he yeah. ever has, but he's not really on it. But people like Kemi Badnock was a big one. She ran for Tory leadership and she's all about the work stuff. Like on, at one of her campaign event venues, they were, they were gender neutral bathrooms. And she they wrote on a bit of paper and stuck it on the thing to say male and female, which is just insane. And so then very American so, yeah. them. and Suella Braverman, who's currently the, the runs the home office, which is like the immigration one, yeah. who's evil, uh, not a fan. Uh, she um, will often talk about like the Wokarati and like the guardian reading soy <laughs> eating. Like it's, it's insane. Uh, and I think the best way to round this off would be to, if, if you can think of one on the spot, your favorite thing that's woke this year as i have mine in my head which was like i think it was it wasn't a, a politician but it was a american pundit of some sort and they said um i took my kids to go see santa this year uh went to go see a not woke santa <laughs> and it was a white just a chubby white santa right and everyone's like you just mean black right right like you just mean you just mean <laughs> i made sure to take my kids to the whitest blue-eyed santa i could find well <laughs> I have to tell you my favorite thing, and it, 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 it's, it started up last year, but it, it's come back just actually literally today as I'm speaking to you. Fox News, you know, which is our leading source, you know, you guys have dealt with the Murdoch world for decades, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's a thorn in our side. Fox News today has gone to war again against woke M&Ms. <laughs> again, they brought it back! <laughs> woke M&Ms are back because 
there's apparently uh there's a, a I think there's a purple Eminem and like I don't I don't think Eminem's officially said it but like Fox and the rest are interpreting yeah. that to be a transgender Eminem and also there's a picture of two female Eminems holding hands and so this was a thing on Fox News where they're they're very upset that Eminems have gone woke again yeah. and so Candy like Candy, you know, last year it was uh, Mr. Potato Head and yeah. Mrs. Potato Head yeah. had gone woke. And now, oh, so Candy is the next frontier yeah. in woke wokeism, yeah. you know, the, the wokerati. So the, the woke generals <laughs> are employing the sweets or the candy. No, yeah, I mean, that, that, I, the Eminem one was definitely one of my favorites because... It was so funny when you boiled it down to the first time. It was like, I think it was wasn't it the green one where they were like, I can't believe they made the green M&M not sexy anymore. Yes. How am I supposed to eat candy if I don't want to fuck it? Pretty and much. that was the whole controversy. Yeah, controversy. that was it. That was it. Like, like it was it was the complaint that the green M&M is not sexy enough for me to have fantasies about it anymore. So and, and how dare they? But the liberal left yeah. has taken away my, my green M&M and, and it's like, and if that's what you think, go for it. You want sexy M&Ms? Do it. I love that. That's amazing. But it's right. just so funny. Watch them try to like, dance around it when you just like, especially Tucker Carlson, he's doing his face. Like he's doing his like. <laughs> so you're saying that we can't fuck it anymore? <laughs> and that's what he does. Right. I think we can end it on our Tucker Carlson. That's the thing. It's not just a one-off comment. Like, yeah. they obsess. It's the they're cycle. obsessed over it. Over and over. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's messed up. It's phenomenal. I mean, and there could be a whole other podcast about, and maybe that will be the next one, about the dominance of, of woke uh, going forward. Because it is exactly. very funny, but there's also a lot of very serious political analysis to come under it. But at this point, it is time to say, Oliver, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. This has been Thanks great. Had a good time. I highly recommend that everyone goes uh, reads your work at the American Independent and uh, Oliver's Twitter at is now on the screen. It's probably been on the screen the whole time. Uh, and make sure you follow. There's a lot of great stuff on there. There's links in the description as well. Please go appreciate. And uh, yeah, thank you so much.